Hey, all you mystic cynics, this is Darren here. I just wanted to hop on before the episode starts and let you know that there was a bit of an audio issue that I made during the recording of this podcast. So we had to have somebody with much more skill set than myself come in and attempt to fix the file. There may be a little bit of a noticeable audio degradation early on, and it smooths out as the episode goes. So I hope you're able to bear with it and look past my egregious error as I soak in the infinite shame of this mistake. Thank you. Hello, and thank you for calling the Mystical Cynical Hotline. My name is Darren. And I'm Jamie. And you've been hearing from us, and now we want to hear from you. So please leave us a message here, anything related to the show, anything that's come up, or that you'd like to hear us talk about, or anything in general beyond that. We're here for you. Good afternoon. This is Yankee RV Tours. Yankee RV Tours. My name is Rod Coe, C-O-E. Confirming that we have 20 motorhomes coming Wednesday, Thursday, Friday, Saturday, June 16, 17, 18, and 19. There'll be 20 coaches, and we'll be having some meals. If there's any entertainment in the hotel, or if there's a pool or a jacuzzi that's available to us, we'll be there four nights. Okay? Alrighty. Bye bye. Mystical Cynical Episode 6. My name is Darren, and the man in front of me is... Jamie Carpenter. Jamie Carpenter. What's your middle name? Uh, well, all right. Oh, there we are. We're already on you a bit. Now. <laughs> <laughs> I'm uh, Christopher James Carpenter. Okay. And my mother liked James, really wanted to name me that, so my father kind of won with Christopher, I think. And uh, throughout my youth... And I'm using my hands now, like we have, like I'm, so I'm talking to you. It's helping. It's moving. It's moving. It's okay. moving. All right. Cool. Yeah, okay. So, um, yeah. So they locked onto the James name, and my mom always wanted to call somebody Jamie. So I became Jamie at a young age. But then you go to school, and they read the attendance yep. sheet, and you're Christopher to everybody there. Uh-huh. So I think this multiple <laughs> personality, whatever thing, like the, the the being many people in this one life, started pretty early. Yeah, it seems apt that you had a kind of a, a, a self-identification around your name. Because I think it's, yeah, obviously, all too often we get named our name yeah. and we go with it. Right. And um, I think it's nice to feel like you have a say in the matter. that You can actually say, that's not who I feel represented by. Right. It's and then true. with the spelling, you right. came up with that yourself? I did, yeah. I mean, since it's a nickname, you know, people would always write it by me. And I don't know why that mattered to me so much is that, you know, you go to Starbucks and it's obviously the ego. Okay. You know, Great. I want to get your name right. You know, uh-huh. um, but I would go to Starbucks or whatever. And they always write J A I M E. And for whatever reason that bothered me, like for, Oh, I can, I can attest that mine is only because it's spelled two R's, two R's or an I or two R's and an I. Yeah. Um, and we have a friend in town. His name is Darren. Who's right. She's a girl and her name is spelled with an O instead of an E. So it's insane how many different ways you can spell Darren. Yeah. And also I, when I say my name, I'll, I'll introduce myself again. My name is Darren. People say, yeah, I'll get that right for you, Gary. Yeah, no problem, Darren. <laughs> Derek. <laughs> problem, Daryl. 
Gary. And so sometimes what I've kind of been doing recently is, is, is at, you know, instances like that where you're ordering something, I'll just say um, Thomas, which is my middle name, because uh-huh. nobody can screw up Thomas. Oh, right. That's, yes. Yeah. Which I don't know. write it Tomas. Tomas. <laughs> <laughs> um, yeah, so that's, that's cool. I, I didn't even mean for that to, to actually go into a conversation. I, I knew your middle name was, I, I, well, because I don't think of you and Christopher at all, especially like, you know, our mailboxes meet next to each other and ever seeing Something written as Christopher, yeah, throws me off. Oh, right, yeah, God, you're not Christopher. At Dude, all. it is such a uh, like talk about a heavy trip of a name too. It's like Christ. It's it has the word Christ in it. Yeah. So, and then I looked up what it means later on. It means bearer of Christ, like mm-hmm. offerer of Christ. Mm-hmm. And, and then the James, that's another biblical name. And so, and then <laughs> you know, my initials most of the time these days are like JC. And it's just a heavy. Tri- I've tried to like make it you know, lighten the load as much as I could around the game. But uh, I, I just met a Christopher in town too, that, you know, uh, just moved here. Great author, Christopher Knoxon. And uh, he's got some great books out there to look up. And um, he doesn't like his name either. He doesn't like the Christopher name. Uh, yeah. I mean, I wonder why, not to say that anybody named Christopher doesn't like Christopher, but it's for me, um, it, when we had an opportunity to name our child, we set out to do something that hadn't been named before because it feels funny to me to just say, here's the list of names, pick one from someone else that came up with something. And it's all made, everything's made up. You know, yeah. Nothing is, is original. I mean, I guess it was original when someone said, this child shall be named Todd. <laughs> what? All right, fine. And then, you know, years later, I'll, I'll be a Todd, you'll be a Todd, Todd. Dot, dot, dot. Yeah. Um, so yeah, I don't know. I think it's 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 an interesting place to be now, where um, I feel like there's a little bit more allowance to be a little bit weird. And oh yeah. Say you know to kind of, and I feel so sorry for David to think of the, the Starbucks instances. I'm like, <laughs> right, David. <laughs> yeah, fine, David. Yeah, for sure. Uh, that's uh, you know, Todd seems like it's one of those dying names, much like the name you used earlier, Gary. Yeah, I don't know if there's many Garys left that that aren't the in thing there. about those Todd and Gary in particular, and, and you know, bless people whose names are that. Right. It's always interesting for me to look at a tiny little, fresh, small headed baby come yeah. out and yeah. say, This is Todd, right. or this is Gary. <laughs> Gary's a 56 year old man from, from uh, Kentucky. Yeah. Um, so yeah, it's I guess you you grow into your Garys and your Todds. Yeah. It's weird to see little baby Gary running around the it house. It is weird though, and this is a fun thing to talk about how we end up kind of like you know, it's a fun thing to look up your name, what it means. Yeah. Because so, in weird ways we end up living out to this name, the energy of the name or the 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 uh, meaning of the name that predates us, mm-hmm. we end up living up to in some way or another, you know? And like for mine, like bearer of Christ is a heavy thing. <laughs> so it's so fucking amateur hour. My, I forgot to turn my phone on today. <laughs> cool. Out. People are going to love the humanity. Um, sorry, you were saying. Um, yeah, no. So, so it's, it's kind of what I ended up like being for people in some way is like a connection to spirit, you know, to spirit. I yes. Guess, yeah. And, um, you know, bringing some sort of, you know, I, I see, the name Christ, I've been able to recontextualize it as a state of consciousness. Right. Almost you felt like, me with that too. Yeah, oh, that's sure. great. Yeah. Oh, that's great. Not yeah. that I had any sort of relationship with <laughs> the man Jesus before. <laughs> right. Yeah, it's nice to think of it more of a, a broad than just an individual. It's an attainable consciousness that that perhaps, you know, if, if Jesus did exist, that, that would be the real meaning beyond questioning all the, the that... existence of Christ. <laughs> yeah. Oh, on air. You heard him here, episode <laughs> six. 
By the way, I have 666 followers today. Oh, congratulations. Thank you. Yeah, yeah. What is that like the... the um, it's funny how we, I guess, I think it kind of goes back to a couple episodes before where we talked about kind of punk rock um, interpretations of things where it's yeah. like going against the grain, you know, yeah. not having your own identity. I think it's always funny when people are like 666, like they're not really truly devil worshipers right. or Satanists, right. but they think that there's some badassness to associating with. And I guess it's just kind of the, the anti Whatever the, yeah. the good kids who are the Christians, like, well, I'm going to go with the, the other exactly. team, the, the bad guys. Whatever will piss you off and get your attention, really. Yeah. It's the weirdest thing that we move into these extremes against. But all what we're really doing is trying to get bring attention where right. attention never was. Right. You right. Know, much yeah. like the dragons that we talked about in the last episode. Yeah. And I've been, I mean, we were talking about turning filters on to things. Mm -hmm. And uh, I don't know if anybody else who's listened uh, has, has, has had their filter turned on to the... I haven't heard any fantastics. That's because okay. I don't watch a lot of late right. night television like you do. But the, uh, the this is making sense. Yeah. And I had a therapy session the day after our, our session and I went through a whole like pouring out of something and I said, if that makes any sense, um, I laughed to myself. Gotcha. Um, but yeah, that, that I, the, the dragons riding around town, it's like the thing gets, the volume gets turned up a little bit more. Yeah. You're like, Oh my God, now that they're like going to attach a um, term to it, they're even more like fucking loud. Like it's, yeah, oh, yeah. it's pretty wild to, sure. to, to do that. And, um, I think the thing that I wanted to talk about right off the bat was, um, a cool voicemail we got about someone asking why we're friends. Like how, mm -hmm. how is it that we found a place where yeah. we meet in the middle? And I right. think, um, well, that's, that's That was kind of what my answer to the question was, is that we do meet in the middle and, and in a <clears throat> sort of an unintentional way when I was developing the, the kind of the, the, the look for our, for our brand here. And I took a photo of you and I, and I split it in half down the middle and I think that there's, there is a place, you know, kind of symbolically, and, and I wasn't intending really to do this, but it, to now look at it um, from, this, from the point of view of like, why, how do we find common ground? I think it right, is right there in the middle where you're not this super floaty, right. you know, all mystical, and I'm not so cynical that nobody wants to spend any time with me. Yeah. And I think the thing that, at least in my opinion, I'm sure you'll agree to a certain point is right in the middle is, um, is for lack of a more deeper term is like pop culture is, is things that we relate to yep. in a, in a, in a creative sense of, of what we engage in as humans and, and music and, and um, movies and television and all these, these creation style. Yeah, right. Exactly. And so I think that that feels like that is very much rooted in, in the human, the real literal human experience without going so far to the mystical side where things are, you know, not like, or very spiritual and woo woo. We, yeah. um, that it's, there's hard evidence that there's music that exists, television that exists and that we find love for that. Yeah. We find a language within that. And I think that that's at least feels like one aspect of why we're actually close. Well, we've given each other a chance. Yeah. You know, there's that. And like a lot of times, you know, people don't even get to that point where they'll reach out because they'll, they'll write off an experience mm -hmm. from a distance or they'll say, wow, it'd be really nice to be friends with them. But then they don't do anything. About yeah, it. for sure. And so, you know, give yourself a chance is one thing that I would offer to people. Um, you know, somebody wrote uh, this morning from Michigan and, uh, you know, said that this is something that they would never do and they felt compelled to write. And, um, you know, and they said that they like the theme that we're hearing in this, that they relate to both of us a lot. And, um, 
And uh, let's see, what was the point there? Oh, yeah, but they, they, you know, I congratulated them, that person for even writing. Yeah, it's funny. There's been a few instances of people saying, I never do this, yeah. but, and so like to be the one who, to, for us to be the catalyst for people to do things that they don't normally do is a great start. You're setting yourself up also for somebody to not write back. I mean, how many times has that happened to us, mm-hmm. as, we've, as we've mentioned in this podcast, you know, and... Uh, I just, Can I be the one who, who brings up Joe Rogan for the first oh, yeah, let's hope, only time on yeah. this podcast? Yeah, do it, please, right now. <laughs> this is a great segment. Um, so there's a local filmmaker in town who made a, who, who's a documentary filmmaker. His name's uh, Jeremy Locklear. He's made some really cool movies um, around some really interesting topics. And the latest one he did was called a Lazar. And it's about Bob Lazar, who oh, it's a great one. Yeah, it's really good. Who, who claims to have worked in Area 51 and, and had intimate knowledge and worked on on extraterrestrial spacecraft and things that, you know, from a cynical standpoint, you're like bullshit. And from a mystical standpoint, you're like, fuck, I mean, why not? Like, yeah. sure. Like, that's incredible to actually entertain that that's true. And this man seems to be reputable and has, he's has, a cynic. If anything, I mean, he would sure. believe in something like that. Right. You know, and that's what yeah. makes it the most believable. Yeah. So it's, so it's an interesting topic, whether, you know, whether, whether you believe it or not, I think it's worth watching to inform your own opinion on it. So yeah. Jeremy made a documentary on, on Bob Lazar and then went on to Joe Rogan's podcast, which was obviously a big deal, a huge platform to have. He's now been on, I think three times. Yeah, I think he had Bob on there with him. He did the first one. Yeah. Um, and so he found me through the, the normal channels that you find me, and we found out that we both lived in Ohio. He hit me up for to do a design for the for the for the documentary to do like a limited edition print, um, and I did it. And he was like, "Hey, can I get one to bring to Joe Rogan to the studio?" And I, yeah, I said, "Absolutely." And when Joe Rogan was still at his old studio in LA, he had a, um, you know, kind of memorabilia hung throughout the, throughout the studio. And, uh, he had a, um, Elon Musk sold a, a not a flamethrower oh, right. that he couldn't yeah. sell as a flamethrower. Yeah, so it was just, called not a, this is not a flamethrower yeah. and it was a flamethrower. Right. So that hung on the wall. And then just below that was, was the print I made and Joe put it up on his Instagram and didn't tag me. And then everybody came and, you know, really, and then he tagged, you know, whatever. He oh, he did. Like, yeah. 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 It's oh, like, whatever. Cool. I didn't hold it against him. So I'm sure it's the last thing he was thinking of. Well, he would definitely kick your ass. Big time. <laughs> His fucking neck would kick my ass. <laughs> um, so yeah, that was huge. And, and that was like a big moment for me. And, um, and, and then he started following me on Instagram. Hmm. And, uh, you know, I, I have feelings, mixed feelings of, of him over the years, but there's no denying the fact that he's, he was a pioneer and, and not a pioneer, but he's, he's been doing podcasting for a really long time and, and sets a standard and sets a bar. He's introduced us to so many great people. For sure. Yes. Like over the years. Yeah. And so, yeah, he's, he's prominent and, and it's interesting because I, you know, I, I value what he does and, and, and I also have kind of drifted away from, from the show more than I used to, but still he holds that level of like celebrity of, of, of importance. And yep. so, you know, it's like a big deal to get like validated by him. Yep. And, um, and somebody, a friend was just like, oh, he commented on the post. It was like, you should have Darren on. He's really interesting. And, and I can't help but be like, with the same with the Sam right. Harris, even with the Sam Harris thing. I'm like, no fucking way would I be interesting enough to be on Joe Rogan's podcast. Oh. Like, never, no, not at all. Huh. I just, I don't know. I mean, I say that, I think, as a way of protecting myself. Is yeah. feeling like I'm not going to. I know. I think that's certain if that's what you're doing, because I think you'd have plenty to talk about. And I'm a fan of that show and a separate fan of yours outside of our friendship. Thank you. Yeah. I think it also feels like it would be be a huge imposter syndrome for like 
oh, you know, whatever, talk to these famous people. And then suddenly this dude who no one's really heard of. Yeah. And then, but then again, I've seen a list of his guests from like, I've never heard of that person. But right. Like, they're any less important. Or oh, and they have a lot less, sometimes they have a lot less followers on Instagram. For sure. Okay. Which isn't, isn't the only barometer for popularity. It's not, but it is, it is something. For sure. And so, um, so yeah, I thought, you know, I, I thought about it. And, and um, one night I, I sent him a DM on Instagram and, and tried to make it really like cute and like, funny and like and i think i said something like if you ever if you're ever short on guests which is immediately being like, right throwing yourself on totally yeah yeah you know if you ever want to talk to some psychedelic oh hi dad and right. whatever it's so stupid and and when you know on instagram when someone reads your pro when you they read your message it says seen yeah so it's notified you that they've seen it and yep. that was it it said seen and so he read it and i mean who the fuck knows what he thought i mean right. maybe he gets a million fucking dms that are like you should have me on your show i'm really interesting and stuff so i obviously didn't take it personal but he certainly doesn't look at them all that's true so that well i think the reason he, the reason he got it directly and because he follows me so it went directly oh, to his inbox as opposed gosh. to there's a section called message requests where it's like anybody that sends you a right. message if, they, if you're not following them it'll go to kind of like got a clear almost like a spam folder or whatever right yeah so that was that's my little my brush with uh with joe rogan right now that's <laughs> cool and and yeah i i wrote him myself last year i mean which is a way more of a, a crap shoot you know <laughs> um my mother who's this great artist her name's victoria roberts and her website is victoria-roberts.com and she's an assemblage artist and she also paints and she did this uh california flag that's really killer that i felt would be good in his studio because it's a it's a buffalo uh instead of a bear uh, and uh, there's all these mushrooms that are growing underneath uh the buffalo's feet and it's like in the buffalo has i think headphones on or something but um, he, it's the bear thinking that he's a Buffalo because he ate mushrooms. Mm -hmm. And I just thought that that would be so great in this place. And so I wrote him and which is just like, whoosh, like <laughs> you just watch the ball like, go right by you. Well, that's, that's something actually I had, a, had on my list of topics and it didn't intend to get to it this early, but it's perfect. This idea that we, we hold others to validate our own, um, creations, oh, and our yeah. own expression. Yep. Excuse me. And I had a, I had an, an instance where. I got a real like gut check and it's, it's seemingly something that's really insignificant, but obviously significant enough to have, have made me ponder it more. I have a, I have a good friend who, who I see as like a more of a, more of a man than me in the terms of he's, he's an excellent, like uh craftsman, you know, has like all the tools, like he, he's never deterred by like, I'm very like, I'm, I'm, I'm intimidated by the idea of like having to, to, cut wood and put wood together and, and yeah. anything with a motor or a machine and all these things, just cause I've not had any experience with it. And he has, and he takes a lot of pride in it. He's, he's converted like a sprinter van and just, you know, did all these things himself where he's, he's taught himself and self-taught and all that shit. And so I see him, I hold him at this level of, of manhood that I'm not. And it yeah. makes me feel like this kind of soft, squishy little artist, you know, sensitive person. And so whenever I do something that, to me crosses over that line from sensitivity into manhood, which yeah. they shouldn't be mutually exclusive. And that's unfortunate that they're yeah. even that, that kind of idea in my mind. Right. Um, but yeah, when I, I assembled this climbing gym in, in our, in our carport for my kid and I, you know, I text him immediately just to like brag about these things oh, to yeah. like, to be like, like, look, look what I did to get some validation from right. another person who does things really well. And I got, I recently got some new, 
this is also weird to even say these things out loud because it's nothing I would have ever found myself doing. But I, I, I got a new truck and I'm really proud of and I love it. And I'm, I'm like getting it kind of souped up to go camping with a rooftop tent and making it like a fun kind of adventure mobile. And I recently got these rims on it that are completely vanity based. They have no performative aspect to mm -hmm. the truck. And I just thought they look cool because they're all black and they, they look good. And I texted him a photo of them and he was like, yeah, they're a little bro-y, but you know, blah, blah. and I was just like, I felt crushed. Like I was excited to share this with him, yeah. but only to, for him to write back like, yeah, it looks great or like whatever, right. you know? And so I just had to check and be like, wait, but I'm, I still feel, I'm still excited about this. Oh, that's great. Like, so yeah, it's just an interesting place to come and, and, and to just say, well, all right, you don't want, you know, it's just a, it's a tough, tough place. And I yeah. think growing up from, you know, with a sibling who would always be the one who says, oh, those look, what those look stupid or, you know, that always wanting to be like, Hey, can I get some validation from you yeah. and, and not getting it? I'm just finding places in my life where that's, that's the case. And, and yeah. being, and what we talked about in the last episode of if it came from me where I drove off that Toyota lot yesterday with those new rims and was like, I'm fucking stoked on these. Yeah. That should be, that should remain no matter what anybody else thinks. Yeah. And I know that that's incredibly easier said than done. Well, and when we, when we seek validation from people, you should always consider the source of, you know, who you're going to and all of what they're in and all of who they are. Cause you might want to just get their attention and extract this, this piece of worth from them, but they may not be able to meet those needs because of who they are. They may not see the world in the same way. It's true. You know? and, and well, because so, I've created an idea of who he is in my head. Right. And that may not be his idea at all. Exactly. Yeah. Yeah. He may have a thing against rims, like <laughs> sure. a yeah. longstanding thing against any <laughs> sort of rims. <laughs> that uh, A rim killed my father when I was a child. <laughs> <Right>. <laughs> exactly. Uh, so, you know, that's, that's the thing is like a lot of people come and they talk about being hurt by people when, when we're in session and, you know, when we get down to it, who the person is that they're seeking this reward from, you know, has all these issues that, that, I mean, we all do, you know? And so, you know, if you're looking for some sort of, um, validation of a positive nature, you should really consider does the person that I'm bringing this to actually have the ability to do that, mm -hmm. you know, ahead of time. And it'll help, you know, with the, the crushing moments, you know, to consider. Right. Right. And so, I mean, it doesn't feel like it's really even entirely possible to get like, no, cause then it's, cause then it's almost phony to get that thing from the person that you want. You're like, yeah. I only want to, Hey, I'm going to share this really exciting thing from, with you. And I only want you to be as equally excited with me. Right. And then that person has to be like, all right, well then I have to kind of what fake it. I have to give you what you need because you're so in need of this validation. Yeah. And so really is it almost, it's a fruitless kind of endeavor to, to receive validation from anybody. Well, never does this get uh, discovered more than in the student teacher relationship mm -hmm. or like the guru to the, to, uh, to the guru. Oh, yeah. <laughs> yeah. Um, you know, like everybody wants a pet guru, mm -hmm. you know, I mean, we all start out sort of wanting to be linked to something wonderful. Yeah. Something that's bigger than you. And we have all these ideas about what that's like. And spiritual seekers certainly over the years have found this. They, they, it's a form of spiritual materialism. You know, it's just, uh, I'm linked to this person. I can write about that. It's in my Instagram bio mm -hmm. or whatever, mm -hmm. you know, and these are all things that I've been guilty of, you know, so I've, they're all just steps along the path of working with your own neurosis and your own trips. And, um, you know, so I've always wanted that too. And I never could find one. And I felt like 
you know, I felt like maybe when my development was correct, when my development was in a good place that could handle it, the responsibility that one would come. And I think that's what happened. You know, I found my, I ran to my first Tibetan, uh, uh, Rinpoche. Rinpoche is just a, a word. You'll see it. At, it looks like the last name of um, great Tibetan teachers, mm-hmm. <clears throat> uh, but it's really just like Christ is the last name, but that wasn't the dude's last name. It's just a, uh, you know, it means like um, a precious teacher or something. That's what oh, okay. Rinpoche means. So I ran into one <clears throat> and it was so synchronistic. I couldn't even believe it. Um, like I went in kind of a wrong door type thing. And, uh, there was this, this person giving teachings. And, uh, I think, you know, I was able to absorb that and not like, you know, like turn it into some post worthy thing or, you know, brag about it all over the place. I mean, I was in a place where my teacher had died, who had shown me everything about Tibetan Buddhism and he had been gone a few months only. And then this teacher arrives and it's like a legit Tibetan and somebody within his lineage, you know? Yeah. And it was so amazing to do that. But anyway, coming back to this, it's like, it's a, the spiritual materialism aspect. I've talked about it in the past about like wearing beads or having a book placed in the right place in your house. So people think that you're spiritual, you know, and just um, accumulating all this stuff to make it look like you're having a real experience. The thing is, is that, you know, these teachers, if they're good ones, gurus show you where you're not, they don't show you where you are. They don't, they're not there to validate, you know, your, your spiritual high or whatever, you know, they're there to, to mess with you. So, you know, Chogum Trumpa, um, who I mentioned here before on the last podcast, he's the one that had the quote about falling, uh, the parachute thing. Uh, there's no ground. He, um, you know, if somebody wanted him to perform in a certain way, they wanted the vegetarian or whatever he would eat meat, you know? Mm. And if uh, they wanted the sober, astute guy, he'd show up drunk. Yeah. You know, but he was always conscious. It was like, it was this thing that, uh, you know, he, he, um, worked with people in this individual way to, to not, you know, heighten this sense of, I found something to show where you're, you know, the shadows of your own personality and what you're really trying to grasp at to break that all down. And he did it in a systematic way that was always in the opposite. And I think that that's what all great teachers do. Now, I don't work in that way. I don't really have the balls to do that. You know, um, I'm there more as like a big brother along the way, you know, who's kind of the big brother maybe that you've always wanted, Mm -hmm. you know, where um, a lot of your stuff does get validated. I think there's plenty within people that hasn't been validated over the years for me to have a field day for an hour, if not hours on, on, you know, ad infinitum. Sure. You know, Um, there's plenty that, people are doing each day that they don't consider to be something um, monumental or something that's positive. And John Lennon, when he was doing the, the, um, the bed in campaign in the late sixties with Yoko, they, they spent um, their honeymoon in bed, having a press conference for peace, which is the most, you know, it's a pretty radical thing to do to offer up your, your honeymoon, to have all these, all this press in your room surrounding your bed, and they just had all these posters that they had drawn, hand drawn about peace. And uh, they sounds thought, pretty lazy to me. <laughs> yeah, it's definitely, you know, um, yeah, and that's built into it. But he used to say, you know, getting up in the morning and brushing your teeth is an accomplishment. You know, yeah. and if we could just look throughout the day at the little things that we're doing like that, we, you know, people don't like even when you do something really big, like you don't lash out at somebody that 
normally would test your patients in this way and you would impulsively react when you don't do that that's a fucking big deal and they right, don't throw right. parades or they don't yeah. hand out awards for that shit but that you're erasing some long-standing pattern probably within your family and it does deserve a look and it does uh, deserve congratulations and i'm the guy that does that i sift through people's past with them you know as i've been saying like lately it's like a cold case you know you just break out the, the box that's been sitting on the shelf that was kind of ruled you know uh, inconclusive and I go through the box of memories of people and sift through all the details to see if anything new kicks up with that's a new great. set of eyes. I love that. You know, and that's what I've been doing with people now for a while. And it starts there, like rather than, you know, starting in a position of like, uh, you know, I need this, I need this in my life. It's like, well, wait a minute. First, let's see what you have already. Right. You, know, you, may, you may have it in, your, in, your, in here already. Totally. Yeah. That's beautiful. I love that. Yeah. No, I think it feels like it's coming from a place where we talked about this a lot of this false sense of achievement, kind of what you touched on, and especially in an, in and around our our own personal brands now, where we're all now that we have an account, an Instagram account, yeah. we essentially have a brand that we need to um, represent and, oh. and and advertise and, and let it be known that we're achieving these things, and and that's why where these little successes that you're talking about of just making it through the day aren't aren't post worthy. Yeah. Or aren't, aren't the thing that's going to get someone to stop and look at your brand and, and see it. And yeah. so I feel like that's changing a little bit. And I feel, um, I feel like that's, that's where my most authentic voice comes in. And, and it's, and it's often validated to me that that's actually like really valued that, you know, yeah. in this really super shiny edited world that Instagram is that to say I'm having a shitty day or life sucks and all these things like people, that's actually like popping up as something that is valuable. So yeah. I do feel like there's a bit of a, a sea change happening. Yeah. Well, yeah, hopefully there is. And you know, the stay at home moms or dads is another example of this, this in, insanely noble act mm -hmm. that no one congratulates you for. Yeah. That is what we need most since we're missing elder mentorship, right? Like <laughs> this time in, in this child's life that you're doing, it's the most noble act that you can do. And it is not valued. Yes. Yeah. You know, so many stay-at-home moms or dads, and I'm going to use the example of moms because that's what I've dealt with the most, always have this desire still to be out accomplishing. Mm -hmm. They're like, they see other moms who are promoting themselves, who are, it seems like they're running a business or they're back to work already or whatever the fuck it may be. And it makes them feel like they're not doing something, like it's incomplete. And certainly when I say makes them like I know that it's not making them that we, you know, we are responsible for where our attention lies mm -hmm. and what we let in. So, so that at its core, but this effect of, um, well, and the Kardashians are just the, the, the best example of this, you know, um, they are, uh, sort of this, this beauty and ha cranking out kids and, mm -hmm. you know, not missing a beat with their beauty or their line or like, they're just out accomplishing, accomplishing, and then makes us feel like shit. You know, they yeah. call that reality TV. If that's the fucking reality, like of having to, you know, make all this money and be somebody that's a brand in all these different directions and a parent at the same time, it makes it almost impossible to, to accomplish that. And that's not where the real value is, right? You know, the real value is in the cleaning up the mess. It's in the, you know, uh, being there for your child when they fall. It's all these things that, you know, I, I feel like Lacey and I are, are, that's a huge focus of ours this year 
is sort of working with the stay at home parent who's thinking that they need to be more and really kind of, uh, you know, um, just creating value around what they're doing and showing them how valuable it is. I mean, look at, you know, the lives of, you know, our parents who were out in the workforce who were out accomplishing, wasn't there always something that was left to be desired? Yeah. You know, didn't we like miss them? Didn't, you know, didn't the work get in the way at times, you know? And so you're in a really, you're in a valuable experience right now that is undervalued in society. And I, you know, I want to be the ones, one of the ones who's, uh, who's, pointing out how it should be valued. Yeah. I mean, I think that that's, that's beautiful. And I completely agree with that. And it feels like the only, well, a big reason why we're, that's Jimmy swashing his fucking kombucha around. I brought the mate mint today. It's got three different kinds. Of we got to get that GT yeah. sponsor. Oh yeah. Um, just that the fact that, that, that the only real, that we have information that is, um, useless. And that information is the lives of the Kardashians and the lives of people who don't bring any value to us as individuals only bring us this level of attainment. That's just not a possible thing. And so it just, and I'm sure they're all great people. No, they're not. They're no. terrible. They're all awful people. And I don't no. know. I, I mean, nobody knows, but I have a feeling that they're, they're good people and I don't mean to demonize them, but what they've created, you know, they're, you know, with people's state of consciousness where it is, you know, the, it's, it's somehow incomplete of responsibility. Mm -hmm. Like it's, it's portraying something that is uh, an unattainable goal and it's hammering us with that on this channel. And, uh, you know, it's in, uh, yeah, I feel I mean, like a lot yeah, of people are left behind. It's not also entirely their fault because it's the right. self, self perpetuating right. situation right. where, they're getting validated and by getting money and new seasons of their TV show. Yeah, exactly. So it's it's definitely like a really gross uh, representation of of a really really deeply minority of of section of humanity. Like yeah. it's not it doesn't represent anything. It's a, the tiniest sliver in the pie of what the human experience is. And yeah. So the fact that it gets such attention and such a spotlight is is it's all well, I guess it's indicative of where we're placing our values. It is. And yeah. It's, it's a mirror as much as Trump was. For sure. You know? Yeah, absolutely. It's, yeah. it's highlighting actually the state of things in a way they're being the guru because they're mm -hmm. showing us all where we're still stuck. I know. And it's funny because now there is like a level of like, you see it and most of us think it's disgusting and just abjectly just terrible behavior. Yeah. And so then you can sort of set your barometer based on that. Be like, yeah. well, I don't want to be a Kardashian. And kind of the same thing we talked about a while ago around, maybe we didn't get into this, but like parenting being a thing where you, we all either strive to be, to do exactly opposite of what our parents did oh, yeah. or in, in a great way to say like, oh, I want to emulate exactly what my, my parents did because they did such a good job. And yeah. so you're just, you're looking again to, to mentorship, to elder, to someone else. All based say, in the past. Yeah, for sure. Your, your, your forward programming is all based on the reverse. It's all yeah. based on the past. And so we're, we're not trying to create something new in a moment. We're either trying to escape our past mm -hmm. or be exactly like it. Well, don't you think, is that where like a level um, around parenting, especially and just living in general, what we talked about last time, intuition, where if you're not basing it on the past, what are you basing it on? Just a core sort of sense of what the right thing is to do? Because it seems like that's the only way you, there's a there's a future is if there's a past to, to sort of to inform yeah. and kind of move along. It's kind of an interesting... Inform place. is a good word. 
I think that the past can inform us, but you know, the mind is a, it's a, it's a great servant, but a terrible master. Mm-hmm. So that base as a baseline thing of walking through your day, knowing that most of the time we're being ruled by our mind. That's why we're grabbing the phone impulsively. That's why we're saying the thing that we didn't want to say, you know, we're just being driven around by our mind. And in this case, I want to be able to be the master of my mind and direct the past information and let it inform this present moment with what it can, but not have that be all of the information that goes into my action. Right. And allow the freshness of the moment and inspiration in that moment. But you have to carve that out and you have to know what to look for. And that's why meditation comes in so handy. And that's why I do it, you know, like I'm breathing. I mean, I pointed out yesterday to somebody in a session that, you know, I do it as if it's like drinking water and breathing. It's like I have something I have to do in the day. I don't trust my mind still 16 years into meditation. I don't trust it to um, say the right thing when I greet somebody, mm-hmm. you know, or to allow me that space to not just say yes to something or no to something impulsively. You know, uh, th- there is a lot of power in saying no, by the way. Like, you know, I, you hear a lot about the positivity of yes and the power of saying yes. But I found at some point, Somebody pointed out like the power of no is really a great thing to have. I think most people who've been saying yes in life impulsively need to start saying no and, and vice versa. I've, I'm, I'm certainly someone who falls into that category. And, and just last night I had someone reach out to me about um, working on a project and I got an email sent and I, and I read it, but I didn't have time to respond. And then the person um, found someone who was a mutual friend of ours and, and reached out to them and said, Hey, can you get in touch with Darren? Like very persistent in a way that's, you know, shows the level of excitement that they want to work with me and whatever the, the nature of this project is, has some level of, of, um, that it, that it needs to happen soon. And I, I responded last night in a text that said, I'm, I'm in a position now where I'm recognizing how burnt out or how, how I'm verging on being burnt out creatively when it comes to client work in that because of that, I'm going to give you a preemptive no thank you. Mm-hmm. And I said, because I love to create and, and I love to help people out, I, I'm still willing to hear oh, what great. the what your brief is, but I just want to let you know so that no one gets their hopes up that that's so it's excellent. very likely going to be a no. Yeah. And, and that felt really great um, scene. No yeah. response. Right. right. <laughs> I wouldn't upset them. I'm sure I didn't. But um, I've, I've noticed in a couple instances where I've been really forthright around people reaching out to me for work where I've said, um, not, where I've stopped saying yes to everything. Yeah. Because the yes is just coming from a place of wanting to please somebody. It's coming from a very deeply, um, deep codependent place of like, if I say no, this person might think I'm an asshole or like right. it create an entire story around what my no might mean yeah. instead of, and what I've actually noticed is that obviously isn't the case because most of the time your story is bullshit because it's rooted in your your past yeah. and, and your traumas and all that shit is that people say, oh, wow, I really respect that, that you're, that you're recognizing your own boundaries and that you're recognizing that you're almost burnt out. And I said, I just, I'm not going to, if I'm in this position, I'm not going to deliver you the best work. And yeah. so I'm almost just like, I'm doing you a favor by saying yeah. no, because I'm, you know, I'm not going to give you what you want from this. Right. Yeah. Well, and, and I think the people that do recognize and would say something like that back to you are people that either aspire to have that same mm-hmm. thing in their life or are actively working on doing that themselves. For sure. You can tell right away <laughs> by either a complete, and you can't tell in every instance when somebody doesn't write you back, it doesn't mean that, that they're pissed. Well, That's it's funny because thing. it's these, yeah, these conversational structures that we have now yeah. where 
if we were not, if I was sitting across from the client, I said that whole beautiful right. worded thing, <laughs> and, just, and they just said nothing, and yeah. staring at me. Yeah. Or, yeah, or some little thing on their shirts had seen all of a sudden. Yeah, like a little. Or their, their little, their mouth just had three little dots, <laughs> and then the dots disappeared. <laughs> yeah, they're still sitting there, and that's the problem. Certainly, yeah, for with sure. Instantly being able to reach out to people, I think it's insane. It it's is insane. It's, it's real. I, I often say whenever people say that something's unnatural i i often like the behaviors or the things that we brought into our universe and they'll say it's unnatural i, I often argue against that because i say well everything's natural because we brought it in like yeah, it's not something right. like some alien didn't crash here on a meteorite and then we're using this technology we right. developed this with our minds and with all of the materials and the entire periodic table that we have access to yeah. we created it so why is it not natural i think it's more of a it's an imbalance. It shows that it's it's um, that it it's gonna eventually, as nature does, it's gonna course correct. It's gonna find that it's not it's not the fittest. It's not the 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 best way that we can be interacting. So I think we're in a place right now with around communication and and with social media and all these things that we're we're unfortunately living in a time where that where I think this is gonna eventually be ruled out of our our lives. Yeah. We're in the place now where, where we're still in it because it's not a long enough timeline has gone by where it's ruled, it's rooted out of our evolution. Right. Cause well, it, cause it is on that. It's, 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 it's not the best way to do it. Yeah. It's not that it's not the, 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 the most evolutionarily beneficial way yeah. to communicate. It's driving us insane. Yeah. Yeah. It very much is. And well, there's an, there's an aspect within Buddhism of how to look for this and, um, the, these little tidbits, I guess, have been helpful. So, and it's just how I live and I don't hold too tightly to it, but you know, the notion of, um, there's a word in Tibetan Buddhism called Shenpa. Okay. And this word used, used to have this, um, you know, because English interpretations of Tibetan were so limited and they weren't nuanced and subtle. I mean, were um, weren't in depth, you know, it was just kind of like a blunt, you know, word. Oh, Shenpa means attachment basically. And, um, but, you know, as, as we've learned more about their language and people have been able to flush out the, the, the subtleties of the words, Shenpa is, it's actually this energy charge of attachment. So it's not the attachment itself, but it's the spark that happens when you get triggered. That's a word that is being used a lot, that being triggered because something sets you off that little spark that heads toward either me moving away or moving towards something that's Shenpa. And I kind of liken myself now to being like a Shenpa surfer where I'm, you know, I want to have the clarity around my mind to where I can feel these little things. Oh, that's that thing from when you're a child, or that's that thing from last week, or this is the thing that the person said that always hurt me, but it's not them. It's not this person sitting in front of me. It just reminds me all of that. I want to have as much say as possible around that. So it's watching this little spark where you start getting triggered before you've been completely hooked and, and you've got, you know, with the alcohol, it could be like, yeah, I was going to say, can that work in, cause it, it, it's not always just a negative spark, right? It's something no. that could feel oh, like yeah. a Move charge towards or away. So that's addiction must be that right? it is to that. get to the, to like, to um, speak on people who have uh, like um, nicotine addiction, right. where you've gotten to a point where you're not even, getting even the chemical yeah. fix from it. It's yeah. just that between that habitual, like yeah. that whole thing the, the in between. Well, th they say around addiction and that, uh, and this isn't going to make sense to anybody who hasn't been in it, but they say that once you're addicted, you get higher on the act of trying to accumulate, to, to try and get the drugs. Mm -hmm. That's more of a high. Mm -hmm. 
Because actually when you do get high, <clears throat> pardon me, when you do get high, it's sort of a disappointment because most people who are in this repetitious loop of addiction, it's like, I got to get it, got to get it, I got to get it. And then you finally get it, you take it. And then the effect comes on and you go, what the fuck am I doing? Right. Why am I doing this still? Yeah. Like you get clear and that's not the high that you're looking for. The high is actually in the anticipation of getting high. Uh-huh. And so we become more addicted to exactly this. This would be the, the Shempa of the situation would be that, that, you know, that feeling the urge come on and then, you know, and being able to catch it at that point. So it doesn't run right in your life. Kind of how I'm feeling with this show. I get really excited and I'm <laughs> sitting here. Wow, yeah, that's that's really interesting. It's it's too bad that we can't somehow manipulate that into um, giving junkies like, all right, I know. You go out on the obstacle course, get yeah. the get the drugs, and then still being able to reward them in some way. It's uh, well, we're always looking for the thing under the thing. Yeah. You know what I mean? We're always looking to get to the root. As if that makes any sense. Right. <laughs> it is fantastic. So, yeah. So we're always looking for that. And I like going, like, I always like learning something new that's underneath the thing that's been under there all along. That's been making it, it, it work, you know, or, or making it not work in your life. And Shempo would definitely be that. And it's, uh, it's something that now, you know, I navigate and I like, I consider myself in, within the surfing sort of thing. Like, I'm surfing the wave of craving. I'm surfing the wave of, uh, of, uh, being triggered, mm-hmm. you know, all that I'm, I'm surfing it and finding balance in it to where it doesn't rule my life. And so that's an important thing. Even having that pointed out to you, if you're struggling in that way, to be able to look at that and to spot it, to know that there's this process that you can start to unentangle. You know, when you unentangle something, eventually you get to this space where there's, uh, or you, you know, get to the root cause of almost everything or the root of everything. And there's emptiness, really, you know, uh, as I've talked about before, you know, Darren sitting across from me, you know, Darren's made up of all non-Darren elements. You know, you've got 70% water, whatever it is in your body, your, 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 your body is made up of, you know, it's, it's carrying the sunlight, you know, I can see the sunlight in your skin, mm-hmm. you know, um, you know, there's certainly uh, air in your lungs and, and, and fire, uh, the, you know, the warmth of your body to keep it 98.7. So all these things, if you remove them all and you bring them to their original source, like there, there's no inherent Darren that's right here. Like Darren doesn't have anything other than, and what I would argue is like, you are the, if you're anything, you're the mix of all of the influences, all your past experiences, you know, um, you're, you're all of those things coming together to make an individual, but you are comprised of everything that is just not, uh, that's not a solid Darren entity. Mm. And so it's in that same way. I like breaking things down so we can take ourselves less seriously for sure. You know, sure. just creating more of that gap that I've talked about, you know, like in our thinking. Well, it feels weird that this is like still thinking about these, these, um, was it uh, Shempa Buddhist or Tibetan? Yeah, it's, it's Tibetan Buddhist. Same, yeah, same, yeah, same. yeah. That they've that they've spent enough time kind of being able to define these characteristics of of humanity, in that it feels still like this this, uh, which I guess is is what it is is this soul mind the two different things where the soul is the thing that that is pure and untouched and, and is part of everything. And then the mind is this, this like front facing entity that's frantic and, and addicted and, and, and just anxious and all these things. And yeah. that you're trying to just like 
what are you trying to do? Come back and like give the mind a little like shoulder rub every now and then. He's like, hey, or just merge them. You know, I think the, the, the interesting thing is like, you know, it's a, there's some people, you know, I have this friendship where my friend is all, um, uh, he's like mind. He's just a brilliant mind. And I'm like heart. And these two things don't talk with each other. Mm-hmm. You know, everybody's trying to be at least all their mind. And that's probably the cynical side of things. And then the heart would be more like the mystical, you know, the heart just representing not the organ, but like some space, you know, in us where uh, feeling is uh, important, you know, where, um, you know, looking deeper is important than just the first, you know, bit of information that intelligence gives. Yeah. And so it's my work has been, you know, getting these two talking, you know, the mind and the heart and through Buddhism, actually, they, they, they talk about the, uh, the head or the mind as being, um, as being body and they talk, you know, so it's, it's body, speech, and mind are, are the three in Buddhism. So body is the head, uh, speech obviously is the throat. And then mind is actually your heart. Oh, wow. Yeah. And so it's thought of like, this is where we do our best thinking from actually. You know, and let the mind inform you on the things that have gone on, you know, let, let the mind hold the Dharma or the teachings, you know, but allow that to work through your heart and get these two talk, you know, uh, talking. And then, you know, the interesting thing is that the voice is in between those. And so it's kind of, we get stifled right there in the throat, you know, because these two are arguing, it's like parents who have been fighting over us, you know, when we're young. Was it more like a, just trying to to think of like an accurate metaphor for it is feels like a kind of the way a company would be structured where the heart is the, the CEO and makes the final decision, but that the rest of it is part of the board. And they're like, okay, yeah, you get to have your say. I think the heart in that case would be the motivation of the company to begin mm-hmm. with. Like, why are we doing this? Mm-hmm. You know, and then the mind gets all sort of, you know, further into systems and keeping the bottom line going mm-hmm. and all that. Mm-hmm. And that's why most businesses, you know, a lot of them, they start out with a lot of heart and then it becomes too big to fail. Sure. And then you're having to manage an entity. Now it's like a, a thing that has a life of its own, that has needs of its own, that go beyond even what the CEO and his best can, can, can do. And that's why most companies that have gotten really big, they fall by the wayside as far as value. Right. You know, and they, they get held to the fire by people who are seeing, you know, Hey, I've been with you from the beginning. What the fuck's going on here? Why, you you know, so the, the, the heart in that case would be the original intent of why to do a business and how far do we get from the heart? Well, it's like the child thing. So when you're a child, you're innocent and you're, you know, that's why they say that like uh, kids can see ghosts more because Mm -hmm. you don't know that you can't see them. Right. It's that type of thing. We're innocent. We're unconditioned. Um, we just want to play. We just, it's all imagination all the time, you know, and uh, when we're hurt, we cry, you know, and we allow ourselves that, you know, it's, it's a, it's a time of great purity. As we go along, we're getting further corrupted by the needs of society. We, we start to mimic whatever's, um, you know, um, essential Mm -hmm. as being the needs of the people Mm -hmm. rather than our own. And so this inner child notion I really believe in it, you know, and it's cheesy. And I want to say that like it hit me as cheesy when I used to hear about floatier people talk about it. It sounds really cheesy, the inner child and all that, you know, and it's, that's the cynicism of like, I'm an adult now. What the fuck are you talking about? That's long over. 
that voice is based in somebody that probably wasn't heard or listened to and childhood hurt. Why would they want to go back there and all that? But I remember doing this. Um, I remember uh, there's a something called Metta meditation, which is uh, a, a form of meditation within Buddhism that's based in uh, offering uh, loving kindness towards self. And the way that you get there is, you know, you go into your normal meditation practice and then at some point, this is the first time I had this done. Um, I remember somebody guiding and, and they're like, imagine, you know, some moment in your childhood uh, where it was difficult, you know, where maybe there was no one around to help you and you felt lost. And I always pictured, I always pictured uh, my being seven and at a time where my parents were um, heading towards divorce and they were arguing a lot and I'm playing in a room and I can hear them the muffled arguments and I can see them come in the room and assure me that everything's okay with smiles on their faces and then go back to fighting in the other room and acting like I didn't like, like a kid doesn't know. Mm -hmm. And the, in the prompt, it's like, you know, send, send this message to that, that child. And the message is, may your mind be at ease. May your body be at ease. May your heart be at ease. And you just kind of send that over and over again to this moment, you know, and it's a way of kind of connecting with our past, connecting with a time where things were more pure, where they maybe were starting to get more corrupted, you know, and in this case, the corruption would be acting like a kid doesn't know when something's wrong and coming in with smiles on your faces, which a lot of us do, mm -hmm. you know, we want to protect our kids from that. But within parenting, you know, I think, and I see you do this often, it's like, you know, telling it like it is, you know, really telling it like it is because the kids, it's going to build trust with themselves. And speaking of intuition, one of the hardest things, or one of the worst things that we can do is deny someone their intuition. Mm -hmm. So somebody feeling good or feeling uh, like they see something accurately and being told that, that they're not seeing it accurately when it really is the case, mm -hmm. they, it starts to create this divide between us trusting ourselves at those points. And that, that moment in my childhood would be that, you know, it would be like where I stopped listening to the inner voice that was telling me something was wrong because they told me that everything was okay. Mm -hmm. And how many moments are like that in life that accumulate. And so we get further and further away from trusting this, this, I, you know, inner child, I would say the intuition would be the inner child, the one who sees it all very clearly and is without having any preconceived notion. Completely. Yeah. Right. Completely. Right. God, why are we just so shitty to each other that just this perpetuation of, of bad behaviors that develops? And I guess the, what we, I think we've talked about kind of this level of, of generational, um, how you can kind of lump attributes into an entire generation, which, yeah. you know, is from a, it's kind of broad and, and might not be so, you know, accurate, but thinking of baby boomers and the generations before where we, when we talked about like parenting and how there's things that we're doing that we couldn't have ever imagined our parents yeah. to do yeah, and not blaming them for that, but right. knowing that they're products of their, of their circumstances. And I think it's just interesting to be in a time now and be in the parental role and, and know that my, my parents came from parents who were who just, it's like this, this gradient of, of, of lacking of love or of, of honest emotional disclosure, or emotional intelligence and everything was just so closed off and yeah. there was fighting behind doors. And then, you know, putting on a fake front when they came out that it's just, I'm just, I guess what I'm curious is, is to, does it feel like we, we are in a 
different time. I mean, it's well, like just yeah, the okay. fact that you and I are just talking. Exactly. That's been reflected to us. That's what that I was waiting to say. Yeah. That, that yeah. Right there is this podcast was not available then. Right. Podcasts like this were not being talked about. The, in the 50s, podcasts were terrible. <laughs> <laughs> Bring me a drink, bitch. <laughs> <laughs> that kind of thing. You know, and that's that's really the deal is we're coming out of the dark ages of emotionality. Yeah. In the 50s, it was still sort of like this thing of we don't talk about our problems. You know, we don't talk about our issues. Um, this is a family matter. Right. And so anything that went in within the household, if you talked about outside, you know, and nobody did, right. you know, barely anybody did because there weren't enough people to listen anyway. Yeah. You know, and so we were all in the dark ages and then, you know, psychedelics show up and they bring people out of that. They awaken, they awaken the youth and they see all the trips of their parents, yet they're getting high incessantly and they are not dealing with the stuff. They're not integrating the experience of seeing things clearly. The psychedelic trip doesn't last outside of the psychedelic trip. That exactly. doesn't get brought into when you're sober and that you can have. Right. And bring lessons. From well, and you can just think, well, it's like sort of being with a guru or something. The feeling that you get when you're around someone that's holding, you know, uh, spiritual wisdom and you just want to be around them all the time. You know, that same thing is like, so you're chasing the high. Mm -hmm. So you'll chase the high with psychedelics and not do the work. And what happens when you do too much of anything is that, you know, now you're just in another loop. You're in another stuckness. And, right. and that's why, you know, the, the boom of psychedelics and the counterculture fizzled out in the seventies. So hardcore, you know, it's because there wasn't that mentorship around it. And very few people took those teachings that they learned, you know, those acute teachings that informed them on their life and then stepped away from it and started integrating it or finding ways of doing that. And so I would say, you know, Ram Dass is one of those people who got the message after all this drug taking, which was phenomenal. I mean, he just, they did so many trips and turned on so many people and created really the counterculture. Does he attribute, right? does he attribute most of his awakenedness and enlightenment to psychedelics? It's a stage of his yeah. development, much like materialism was. Yeah. And so he sees the value in all of that. It's nice to talk about him like he's still alive because he is to me. I mean, I, I talk with him all the time, you know, but, uh, you know, it was the materialism thing. Did that to the height. Then then psychedelics came, saw things really clearly, saw that he was all his trips and saw that, you know, there was really no person there. There was emptiness, you know, um, all these these things that were just versions of the past that had been playing themselves out as importance of the present. He saw through that and did that for years. And then, as I talked about a few podcasts ago, took some LSD to India, met the guru, the guru ate the stuff, nothing happened to him. He saw that the guru was already there. Mm -hmm. There's nowhere to go. And the guru even said, you know, Neem Karoli Baba said, you know, uh, this, this is good. You can visit with Christ for a few hours, but then you got to come back to earth. It would be better to become the, the, you know, the heightened spirituality become, become the possibility, mm -hmm. the, the potential, you know? And so, uh, he focused on that after that and he dropped the drug taking as incessantly as he had been. I think he still experimented a bit, um, as, as I think it's being written about in, in his new book, there was still some instances, but it wasn't the thing, you know, the thing was living it now. And so, you know, we don't, to bring it back to mentorship, we just don't, we haven't had that. So now you and I doing this podcast is a direct offering. And I'm not saying it's the only one, but it's a offering that's available to people. What happened is like Oprah showed up, talk mm -hmm. shows showed up. Mm -hmm. People start talking about their feelings more in the eighties and nineties, you know, Dr. Phil and all that, you know, therapy uh, lost its stigma. 
right. as being something negative or like, you know, I, I remember when I was going to therapy when I was 13, I didn't tell fucking anybody right? because something would have been wrong with me. Yeah. And it, it was painful enough. My, my life circumstances were including, you know, I went to an all black or, you know, uh, mostly black and Latino uh, um, high school. And so I was like the minority, which is an amazing teaching. Mm -hmm. Amazing. But still, it hurt a lot. I got picked on and I would just move toward like I would allow them to pick on me so I could kick it. Yeah. You know, and I, and I, and it's a very important thing for me to touch into, to feel like what it must've been like, what it's like for them every single day. Wow. Yeah. That's incredible. And it was a great thing to touch into. And then that backed up with like my dad being into Spike Lee films and Mm -hmm. taking me to go see Malcolm X in the theater when I was 13, Mm -hmm. you know, Mm -hmm. it's like a radical thing to take your son to go see, you know, uh, someone like Malcolm X, who has also found the extremes in life. It's this thing of highs, you know, going from being a drug addict to getting religion. And then at a certain point, right before he died, he started coming more towards the middle, wanting to work with more people of, you know, of varying color and not just African-Americans. And that's when they got him, man. Yeah. (laughs) You know? Yeah. Uh, Just to back up a little bit to the, to the, to Ram Dass and, and his sort of stages of evolution through that. It, to me, it feels like, and obviously he rose to a level where people look to him for answers because yeah. he put in the work, he did the years of, of um, experimentation and, and trying to find and doing, doing it successfully, finding the answers within um, what we've talked about, some would consider a shortcut yeah. to what a lifetime of meditation would be. Right. It, it's interesting to think that there's only, that there is only, you know, you get these people that pop up throughout history and it seems like a lot of them are located in India where right. they've had, um, maybe there isn't so much of a Western, which I think is kind of what the source of the ill of all of this is, is the Western philosophies of, of capitalism and these ways of, of right. driving towards success in a monetary and in a materialistic sense is that thinking about these, these gurus and these, these, um, shamans, these people all around the world who have had an opportunity to just not have to take part in, for lack of a better word, the rat race or these, yeah. these program structures. And then they get to sit and think or not think and yeah. be in these places of, of attaining these levels of enlightenment where it feels like it's, it's still difficult for me to understand where, where us who still live in the Western, in Western society can have that. And I guess, you know, I'm already thinking the answer is, well, get a daily meditation practice. What is 10 minutes a day going to cost you towards like taking away from your productivity? 10 minutes a day, isn't going to like set you off course and stuff. So I guess it's still trying to find that within the Western culture of, of bringing in these Eastern philosophies and having it in a sustainable way or not even sustainable in a, in a, in a actually like shifting way. Yeah. Like, and I guess, you know, finding for me personally, finding psychedelics to be like the easiest means, oh, but yeah. also I can't sit around and do the amount, the years of psychedelics that Ram Dass did to attain this sort of level of enlightenment. Yeah. But I don't even think you need to. And he would probably say the same thing that, you know, I mean, it's hilarious, this story about him and Timothy Leary when they were at Harvard and they were doing these, Harvard sanctioned yeah. psychedelic experiments with uh, the uh, grad students, you know, they had a chart going of like when they were going to attain enlightenment, they had it like a, <laughs> a board written of like, you know, all, it was like a mathematical equation, you know, and, uh, and he laughed about that years later, you know, uh, that's a silly notion. You know, I think, um, you know, that's where I come in, I think. And 
I come in in the way of like taking some things that are Eastern or spiritual and being somebody who's been submerged in Western culture who can, you know, ride out uh, a session with somebody, knowing all the references that they know, working. And, you know, some of my favorite teachers have been like that, like Pema Chodron, who's been mentioned here. You know, she can mention the Beatles and the Rolling Stones. Huge Seinfeld fan. (laughs) (laughs) You know, she can she can pull out a Beatles or Rolling Stones reference in in a way of expressing some Eastern thought. Yes. You know, and that like that thing, you know, I feel like the man of the hour for that in particular, because. Mm -hmm. You know, um, I've lived in the same world that we've all lived in and valued the same things and 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 uh, seeing the hollowness, mm-hmm. you know, where there was once so much value in material gain. And, um, you know, I know who's on Saturday Night Live tomorrow. Right. You know? right. <laughs> yeah, it made me think of, of instances where I've ran into people who would be really trying to portray that that flowy like you know I'm I'm, I'm only in the spiritual world right. and, uh, and 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 there's been instances where I, I come in as this this is years ago but lacking any real sense of spirituality or understanding and only being able to relate to episodes of Seinfeld or the oh, Simpsons yeah. and then finding out from them oh I don't watch TV yeah and I'm like well, I don't really trust you then like, right you know what, right. To, to, you're, exactly. you're teaching you're taking this pedestal level of of like to think that there's no value within creation within yeah the, to say that that because something makes you laugh or something makes you scared and you know or like it gives you emotion through someone else's artistic expression that you know you know I don't I don't watch that yeah well Seinfeld is a great teaching on spirituality actually because it's at essence it's a show about nothing (laughs) you know so it's like there's all these activities throughout the day but really if you talk about the show it's like well i don't i don't really know what it's about i mean Mm -hmm. you can kind of say but you know it's it's kind of like life yeah you know sure we're all doing this stuff and running around and silly and sometimes heartbreaking and and you know but really at the end of the day it's you know who, who knows what this is all adding up to other than right. our value and our friendships. Right, you know? right, right, right. And he's a, what's a trip about Jerry too, which I didn't know is like, you know, there's people who I find out later who I've been following their whole career who were meditating the whole time, mm-hmm. you know, and I didn't know that until later, like Jerry was meditating transcendental meditation when Seinfeld was on the air. He'd been doing it for a few years, even prior to that. And so somehow that's informing the work. Sure. And I can always like, when I meet people, I can always tell whether or not they're met, not always, but in a lot of cases, there's some characteristic where they say something a certain way, or I watch their movement and I can see the meditation in action. I can see it walking around or, or speaking, you know, and that show appealing to me as much as it did. And him always appealing to me as a, as a, as a comedian, it's sort of like the imprint of the meditation is in uh, his, his art. You know, and Dave well, yeah, because he does feel like he reaches that gap. He goes in between that space. Of, I mean, having these these levels of observation, yeah, of being able to tune into to not just being in autopilot and just to have that gap between somebody doing something really just monotonous or just the minutia of existence and yeah. finding like, oh wow, I notice we as humans always do this thing, yeah, and that there's enough gas yes, to actually exactly. notice that, yeah, right. Which is the brilliance of stand up in general, oh. is a philosophy of, of human existence and the condition that we are all in, yeah. and most of us don't even notice it, and that's why it's also most of the times it's so relatable because you go, oh my god, yeah, I do that, but yeah. no one's ever pointed it out, and that's fucking hilarious, yeah. So, yeah. Well, and also his attitude around, you know, there's that comedians in cars where him and Zach. 
uh, Galifianakis are um, out and, you know, there's people pulling their cameras out and wanting to video him. And Jerry's, you know, he's, he's not bothered by it. And Zach's like, don't you ever get bothered by that? And he's like, no. And, he's, and, and Zach's like, why? I don't, I don't get it. Like, it's isn't an invasion of your privacy. And he's like, well, I'm out in public. Mm-hmm. Well, when I'm out in public, I mean, you got to expect that, you know, that's that, true. What, why wouldn't people want to do that? And so that's, they're free to do that. You know, if I'm going to put myself out here, then, then, you know, people can put a camera on me, you know? And, and I thought that that's really meditation informing that moment. Like, who are you getting mad at? Right. Yeah. And it's not releasing any sort of sense of control of a situation. And right. You can just take it as that's going to happen. Yeah. And then you're not going to get upset at it because it's just going to happen. Well, and to come back to our friendship, how this thing started, like I was thinking about that too. I mean, you stood out to me when I first saw you, you had the, you had a look and right away I, I saw you as having, you, you're, you're cool. Thank I you. thought you dressed cool. And, and, um, I remember running into, um, uh, you and your family at, uh, the library and I was getting a library card and oh I was new God, to town yeah, totally. and, and you were there and I saw you and who God, to think about this moment in that, like <laughs> yes. those two people crossing paths and I was drawn to you a bit. You know, I yeah. saw, I was like, this looks like a cool little family. And to think that all this was on the other side of that, you know, but that was one of the first times uh-huh. I saw you. The other time was the one that we mentioned before at that craft thing where yes. you were selling stuff, but we actually bought, um, we bought a journal of Viana's, uh-huh. you know, there as well. And, uh, and Lacey really loved that. And then she started sort of following you guys' story, you know, on Instagram, but I was kind of removed from it. I, I would see you maybe around town every once in a while, but you, there's an interesting thing. And this, this is part intuition, I think, is when I would see you, you had a look, you reminded me of another really close friend of mine from years ago, who was like my best friend at the time. And you had, you looked like them. And I was, I was like kind of taken by that. And I was, I was wondering more about it. I thought he's somebody that could, that maybe within this, whenever I see that in the world and then I move toward it, I find that there's some of the same qualities. The look informs me to move towards mm-hmm. someone. Mm-hmm. And then you find actually what, what was based in the other friend. And I found a lot of your humor and uh, it, as being the same, like the way that we can make each other laugh and the chemistry that we have. It's very similar. And so, you know, I feel like that's a part of the feeling thing to move toward. It was certainly the, the Andrew Bird bike ride thing was the feeling and the, you know, all those different things It comes down to feeling. Well, it's funny because I'm, I'm, of course, filtering that experience through my own cynical mind. And sure. Pulling all the magic out of it. It's about time we heard from the cynic. Jesus Christ. <laughs> <laughs> um, just thinking about the nature of where we live and we live in, in Ojai and those who aren't familiar with it, it's a town of about 9,000 and it's in this Valley and it's, it's fairly sleepy and, and slow. And, and, um, I don't know, I wouldn't describe it as like a hip place. Mm. There's, it's a, it's a small town in California yeah. that has some hip people living in it. And it's as a hip destination for around the world. Though. For like sure. It's got a, it's got a brand to it. That's not like some small town in Iowa. It's, so. it's very, it's got, it, it certainly has some like Instagram um, street cred to it. Where yeah. like if you're you posted, like, especially if you're a you know, celebrity or something like, oh, that's where I'm just gonna go up to Ohio and just get away from LA and just escape it all. Like it yeah. has that. But I think in comparison to somewhere like uh, what came to my mind when you were talking was somewhere like Portland. Right. Which is a hip place, oh, yeah. full right. of hip people. Right. And so I'm just thinking like if we, if we both lived in Portland and we were both at the library and there was 20 of me walking around, right. like what would be, and again, that's taking the magic out of it because maybe there was 20 of me and you go like, 
that dude. Right yeah. There. Like you felt something, some intuition, right. whether I was moving a certain way or just even just energetically or, or you sensed something. And so yeah. it, I guess it's obviously impossible, but it'd be amazing to, to reconduct that experiment. Yeah. Have us in a crowded bookstore in Portland and right. see if you picked me out of that crowd. Yeah. Right. No, it's true. It's true. Yeah. I think I might, you know, what's odd is if you go to my Instagram and look at the picture that I posted uh, with me and my father when I'm dressed as a clown and sitting on his lap. So creepy. You look just like my dad. No in that shit. Picture. You think so? Yeah. I mean, Whoa. it's it's crazy. Whoa. It is cool. like, right now, I feel like if I if I want to, I can see my father when he was younger, when he was, you know, he was in his prime fitness and all yeah. that. You know, and you look just like him. It's wow. so fucking weird. And then when you matched up our faces too, yeah. you know, there's not much, there's the beard that distinguishes it and the yep. hair that's a little different, but yeah. the eyes, like you don't have to squint too hard mm-hmm. to see like our similarities. Absolutely. Structure. Yeah. It's just fucking crazy. Yeah. Yeah. I mean, I, I guess that's kind of just brings some credit to the, just, just extrapolate, extrapolates the, the mystery of it all. Yeah. It's like not, it's not taking everything so literally as I often do. And, and it's funny because again, we've talked about this where when I do, when I create work, I'm, I'm creating work to, to, to the, the soul of me is trying to kick the mind into right. like, see the, see the magic here. And I often kind of do stuff around the mystery, thanking the mystery and, and, you know, having gratitude for the mystery. Oh, so yeah. It's kind of a weird thing. And that's also where I feel like I go in psychedelic spaces of just like, got no fucking idea what's going on here right now, but it yeah. feels really good and it feels right. Like it feels, it feels like home, the the confusion and the, the, I guess the, the freedom from, from trying to make sense, trying to rationalize anything, getting caught up in the fact that like, this needs to be understood. This needs to be like, you know, A, B and C, I have to understand it in that way. And then just giving up and being like, I don't fucking know. Well, that's a, that's also, um, a, um, what was I going to say? Um, Oh yeah. The mystery is where we meet. Hmm. It's actually where you and I meet really beautifully. We both acknowledge at the essence of things is just mystery and the unknown. Mm -hmm. And I think within spirituality or within cynicism, there's that space Mm -hmm. where there's still an acknowledgement of not knowing exactly what goes on within cynicism or atheism, even as it pertains to spirituality, it would be something like, you know, um, I know it's not that the way that it was written in the Bible, but I don't know what, is going on also yeah and that's where atheists is that more agnostic or would it yeah yeah that would be that would be yeah i imagine i think more atheists are actually i mean it's a catch thing to to say that you're atheist you're you're most likely an agnostic sure because i mean it feels like atheists lack uh, their own level of understanding of something because you can just be like science it's just science yep yeah they're religious because they they believe in nothing Right. And they're walking toward faithfully, uh, nothing happening. But here's the beautiful thing about spirituality people who are spiritual and, and atheists, whether or not there's anything after this or not, this moment is the only moment that we have, Right, you know? So I live my life like I'm going to die. Mm-hmm. I think about it every day. When I say goodbye to my kids, I think this could be the last time I see them. And I've thought that for years now, and it has not been morbid. As a matter of fact, it's pulled me out of depression to think about this, is, this reality and this moment that I have is so precious to be a human on this planet with, you know, everything that's available to me, you know, and I don't mean everything resourcefully, like, you know, there's books, you can go to a library, there's information where we can study and pull ourselves out of our life situation. 
you know, and it's been done enough in the poorest of conditions or the richest of conditions. People have extricated themselves from, you know, the momentum of their life circumstances. They've been able to do it. Mm -hmm. And so I live my life like I'm going to die. I acknowledge it every day. And so I'm in the moment, whether or not, you know, like there's anything left or not. Like, I know this is the only moments that I have is Jamie. And that's what an atheist believes too about their life. So we can all just be work on being grateful for the time that we have and treat this life like it's precious. It is funny how we get tripped up on like, well, what's after this? Like, well, right. what's the difference? Yeah. It's now, this is Here's, now. Yeah. I just had a kind of a, a twisted imagery in my head when you were saying feeling like, you know, at, at any moment, this could be the last moment. Yeah. And, I, and I don't, <laughs> this is so funny, but think you have a man following you around all day with a gun to your head and being like, right. I don't know when I'm going to pull this trigger. Totally. And, you, and you're like, you're, you're beaming and you're like, okay, well, this guy could pull this trigger in one second or in, in 15 years. Yeah. And so I guess it's, I think the thing is, is it feels like it's a, uh, it's, it's hard to really tap into the idea of like that becoming a joyful, oh, um, yeah. um, um, uh, like push to like, oh, yeah. to towards joy to be like, well, I'm going to enjoy this as opposed to like, well, now I'm fucking terrified. Yeah. Like now I'm, now I'm like, now I feel, now it actually helps me realize that like, I'm not doing shit with my life right now. Yeah. And so I think that that's, you know, obviously you, you develop, you're developing a practice around that of feeling like joy from it, but I can easily see how somebody would say like to feel really meaningless and to feel in that level of what we were talking about last week, of the point, the pointlessness of like yeah. of it. And so then it's just like, who fucking cares right. if this is it? Like the point is that, there's an expiration date on our body that we don't know when it's going to come. If we ride out this existence and we're able to, you know, escape uh, death from coming before the, the body would naturally give out on itself, you know, uh, whether or not that happens or not, we're, this is, this is the moment. And, uh, and so, you know, I, uh, I think that, you know, that one of the sayings the Buddha said was like, uh, the problem is we all think we have time. Mm-hmm. You know, and that is the thing. How many of us are waking up today thinking that there's going to be a tomorrow? Yeah, it's absolutely. almost like the dominant quality of the thing is like thinking that we have time to get it right, and that's why we're putting off mm. doing the work. Mm-hmm. Is because we we just think that we have time to get to it, and you know, I, there's never been a better time than now. And and you know, if not now, then when? Mm-hmm. You know, like now, hearing this podcast, hearing me say this right now, is a moment that you can wake up and do something different. You know, you can, you can look at your life circumstances. If they're poor, if they're not, you know, if they're not high quality, you know, you can hear this message and know that there's a way out. And the way out is really just, you know, not putting off what you can do today, you know, which is studying something, you know, uh, uh, going out and doing like telling people that you love them. That's a big thing. You know, why not? Like why waste the opportunity? So many people are like, God, I saw him last week. I've, you know, but when somebody dies, I saw him last week and I, I wish I would have told him how, yeah. you know, yeah. fucking tell him, yeah. tell him today. Don't waste any time. I mean, that's never been more abundantly clear than this last year. Right. We're all walking around and it's this fear of an invisible killer, you know, and, you know, washing our bags of groceries and, you know, all that stuff. Like, you know, I think hopefully this year can be a great awakening this past year that we've been in, but you know, at the same Why, what time, happened, what happened? <laughs> well, and at the same time, that's what I was going to say. The cynic in me is like, you know, I know how hard it is to wake up. You know what we did the first time after the lockdown, what 
we all collectively did in America was we locked down, we took it seriously. Yeah, it was really funny to think back, like we getting before sourdoughing and getting gardens right. going and like, right. it was like, yes, and it was great. And we took it seriously and yeah. nobody was really quite like people, no, I'm not, nobody was questioning, sure. but the, the, the group of people who were fed up with it or not wanting to adhere to what was being suggested, the fear was fresh enough so that we all basically locked ourselves in. Most of us did in, in the country. And then when they started letting up the conditions and letting us back into society, what did we do? We all rushed back in like nothing had fucking happened. Mm-hmm. And a lot of people got sick and that's what created the next wave of this thing. Yeah. You know, tearing through America. And so that's the thing is like, oh, thank God this is over. And we just go right back to doing what we're doing. And that was a clear message of like, hey, take a breath. And I know I see this and I know that there's people who have been, you may even, as you're listening to this, you may be locked in in this past year in a relationship that's not working, had to shelter in place with some circumstances that were just highly unfavorable to say the least. And that's a, that's a raw deal. And that's a fucked up situation. I'm sorry that that happened to you. You know, um, every moment though, every single moment without all these conditions, you know, without the government shutting us down or not shutting us down, you know, having control over your own mind, you know, being able to seize an opportunity. That's why I meditate, man. You know, I don't want to be my thoughts mm-hmm. anymore. I don't want to be the thing that's telling me to do this and that, because that's going to bring about my best. Who's best? The thought bundle's best, mm-hmm. you know, like this is a moment that's a good moment. And if you're hearing this, you have an opportunity to wake up, you know, and, and this is, this may be it, you know? Sure, dude. <laughs> <laughs> but then again, you know, I mean, the other day, like, and, and, you know, somebody wrote uh, about this podcast and said, like, you know, this podcast is getting me through grad school, <laughs> you know, and I was like, oh, that's really cool. And I read it and then I, I went back to making my canned soup. I was making fucking split pea soup out of a can because I was on this soup diet this week that we fucking invented. You know, <laughs> like this will be a can't do juice because that's too like it's I've done juice diets before and I'm getting older and like I get cranky if I don't have food. So let's just move it up a notch to soup. Yeah. So I'm like, I read this thing. It's like somebody being moved by the podcast. And then I, I laughed at like me emptying this fucking like, you know, when you dump out soup in a can, it's still in that blob. And I'm like trying to mix it all up. And going, this is my reality. Somehow, somewhere I'm somebody to, you know, all of a sudden to, you know, in this podcast. But they don't know that I'm just the guy with the wooden spoon trying to fucking mix. Well, the soup I really, really love that about about what we're doing right now. And and who knows? And you know, in, in five years, we'll have the fucking studio in Austin that looks like right. a spaceship, and right. we've we'll gotten 150 million dollars from Spotify. But yep. the fact that you and I just do this, yeah, we don't make any money from it. If anything, yep. it's costing me money sitting here blathering right. to you. To you. <laughs> um, I've had to, you know the amount of money I've had to put in just to get this podcast going. But you know, I say that you know jokingly because it's such a it's so I love it so much. And to think that to really just kind of balance out that you know coming back to to us feeling like we're not. I mean, I, I really do feel like you're a teacher, and you can because you you've studied and you have you have. Uh, an education around certain things, like I said, with Tibetans and Buddhists who've, who've sat for generations and figured these things out. And you've kind of been able to bring this knowledge to me. I feel like that that's a valuable um, thing. It's a, that's a, that's a valuable um, lesson. And I feel like um, me, 
I don't feel like I'm bringing anything really here where I feel like I'm a student to your teacher and that this feels like, um, I don't know. I don't it's know just not I'm as saying. evident. It's not, maybe it's not as evident, but like I'm, I'm learning from you constantly. Hmm. Like the way that you, I, the way that you've, uh, created something from soul, as you put it, you know, and listen to that voice and made your art and then have it go out into the world is something that I've always wanted to do. I've always wanted to, um, be able to create something that could reach a lot of people and bring what I'm finding. People are just they You know, I I'm working with somebody right now who's in Wisconsin, who's who, uh, who as a result of the show has reached out to me to do some, uh, some training, you know, as a spiritual mentorship. And this person got on Instagram just so they could be closer to your art. Mm. Like they'd been on Facebook primarily and kind of have a weird relationship with that or whatever. And, and they got on Instagram recently just so they could see the spilling each day of you loading something different, a new image, you know? And so I, I know that kind of thing is what, like, if I can have any sort of import with people with what I'm doing and ha and having it reach as many people as yours has and have it be this pure relationship. I mean, they're having a pure relationship with you, mm -hmm. you know, which is beautiful. And you've done that and you stayed humble enough. Your cynicism has allowed you to stay humble enough. Also, you know, you haven't gotten too big and you, you know, you're confident in a really great way. Like it's a, it's, you know, you're open to other people's ideas still. You know, and I remember like you're already transcending notions that you had of the past because I remember a few months back and we were sitting in the backyard and, you know, I told you about this children's book that I wrote uh, involving the Beatles. And I, you know, we, you and I become friends and I felt comfortable enough to say like, hey, you know, I, I think we're going to work together. I said something like that. And I was like, you know, I've written this book and you're like, stay, I got to stop right there. I just don't collaborate with people. Mm -hmm. And you talked about why. You know, and you said like, I, I, you know, I, I don't like people coming with revisions mm -hmm. of my work, mm -hmm. you know, and, and for me, I was like, that's all I've ever known. So I was kind of like thinking like, well, that seems kind of removed or whatever. But Lacey was like, no, that's, that's, I respect the shit out of that, you know, that he just, you know, makes his thing and just wants to have it be the thing that's made and not have to cater to other people's ideas is the teaching actually that we're talking about in this keeping something really pure that's come from you that's outside of influence yeah it's funny because i see that uh, and i still i mean i look at it a little bit differently now but i think the 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 unwillingness to collaborate comes from such a place of of insecurity of oh. like i can't i can't stand the idea of you saying looking at something i created and saying mm, could it be a little bit different right because that 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 because that is the denial of of at the core of my soul expression. But like, no, that came from right here in the middle of my chest and came onto onto this piece of paper. You're saying that it's wrong or that you want it differently, right? right. And I guess that you know, I'm, as I'm saying it, I see it as like a, somebody wrote to us early on and called a called something I pointed out around developing sarcasm and a sense of humor based on, you know, traumas of my early childhood, yeah. a maladaptive superpower, oh, which wow. I fucking love. And yeah. I'm like, Oh, well I'm a, I'm a maladaptive superhero. Right. Cause like everything I do <laughs> comes from a place of where I was traumatized right. and developed who I am, which I'm very, very proud of. But to, yeah, to really feel like 
And I guess it's kind of radical to, to also to reinterpret that in my own mind and say, no, that, that's not an insecurity. That's you saying, no, I'm, this yeah. is what I created. Why, yeah. why should you have any? And right. it also, cause it, cause it also usually comes into money because yeah. that's all it, that's the only reason somebody would have any say in what I'm doing or yeah. have any sort of agency around what I've created is like, well, we're paying you to pr- create something for our brand. We want it yellow instead of blue. Like right. that's it. That's the only reason. And that's, that's also why I like I don't like I like turning off comments and things because I'm like you, I don't care what you have to say. This was my expression. Right. This was it. You know, you yeah. listen to it or not, look at it or not, but like don't you don't give me feedback on this. right. Well, especially and I have to say, I mean, you have lowballed your work when you loan out your work for licensing. Like you, you the, what you have charged has been a shock. To yeah, me, you know. <laughs> And let this be like an end to that. Right? So if you're thinking you can take advantage of it based in this, like, honestly, you know, it's been shocking, you know, um, um, how little you've been paid and how little you've asked. And I think a part of that is that thing of like, well, I'm going to um, take complete control over this artwork and give it to you, but you don't get to have any say in what it is. And, but, but can I just, I'll take a little bit of money. Well, yeah, that's certainly it. That for sure to, to, to stand the ground of saying, you're not going to manipulate this at all. It's going to come on. And and then feeling like that shouldn't cost as much as something that I did custom for you. Yeah. And um, yeah, I mean, that's, that's definitely still one of my most uncomfortable places, even after all these years is around talking about money and, um, I, you know, and it's funny because you do these things, you stay within these, you stay within these frameworks that keep you comfortable and keep you safe and and devalue yourself and and keep you in a place that feels like, okay, no one's going to get upset because the number is going to feel comfortable for their bottom line and keep them. And then just recently I had somebody who has been licensing work for me for a while now. And I've been really uncomfortable with the, the, the number that's been given. I felt, and then, and then that informs our entire dynamic where every time I write to them, I'm really sharp and like, yep. you know, not being the kind person that I know that I am. Yeah. And then, you know, come into this year, they reached out to me to do another thing. And I said, my rate now is this. And it was mm-hmm. higher. It was, it was substantially higher. Yeah. And they said, we're so grateful that you're, that you're valuing yourself. Right. And so again, to just to like, when you finally sidestep out of this comfortable box you're in yeah. and you're like, okay, I'm going to hit send and be in this gap of, of, of un- discomfort, but yeah. also like being in a position of just saying comfortable and confident enough to say, if they say, oh, sorry, that's too much. Right. It's not the fucking just end of the world. Ask. And I got to, yeah, exactly. And I got a chance to stand up for what I want and it was received in a very affirming way. And so it right. gives you like a little bit of, like a little bit of bonus energy and you say, okay, cool. I'm going to take that into the next relationship. Well, too. and I can already tell that, you know, to talk about your growth also, I mean, from that moment of saying, I don't collaborate with people. I mean, this is a collaboration and now is it? I'm yeah. out of here. <laughs> You tricked me. <laughs> that seemed like a really, like a real response in the moment. <laughs> um, but, you know, just doing this, like, like I've mentioned many times, you know, uh, I don't think anyone's face other than your own has ever been used on your work. And, you know, these mentions that, you know, it's, you're so liberal with those now, mm-hmm. you know, and this is definitely a collaboration. We're living in this, you know, a wall apart and we're doing this show and it's, you know, you've, you've transcended, you know, the line that you felt like you had, you know, already moving into this and, you know, we're, we're finding a lot of benefit from, 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 uh, moving past the old models of our existence. Absolutely. And I feel like it came from a place of feeling, um, like I've, I, I, like I said, like you said, I've, I've completely cut myself off from that collaborative feeling of being with somebody. And so like you, you sent it, I sent you a, a picture of, 
of uh, some some tax returns I got from from two big clients, uh-huh. from two really like you know right. in, in some people's minds and some others maybe oh, never never fucking heard of them. So I got one from the Waking Up um, app, which Sam is Harris. Sam Harris's meditation app, which right. some people would be like, that's fucking what an amazing opportunity. And when I received it last year, I hadn't I wasn't really familiar with Sam, so it wasn't a huge deal for me, and it paid it paid really well. I was like really impressed at how much they paid for it. It was a lot of work, but it was really worth it. And uh, and then the other one was for Fish Band, yeah. yeah. Who I've it's know insane. from high school because because there were all the fish heads, right? But it's still like it's still like okay, I re- I understand that that's really big, yeah. But, but it's it not the Grateful Dead. <laughs> <laughs> but it, it, you know, it's like it's it's that kind of peripheral, like oh wow, that's I can see that as a really big opportunity. It's not maybe not for me, but anyway, yeah. Jamie, I sent a picture to Jamie. And what did you say? Something I like? said, like, you know, these are two companies that friends of mine across the board, like fish as a band, which I'm not, I'm not a fish head and are grateful dead fan per se. I'm, I, it's not like I'm anti them, but I, I just, I'm just never fell into that. But my friends, it's as big as it gets. Yep. It's their form of Buddhism or whatever, right. you know, it's their, their, their religion, you know, and Sam Harris comes up so much lately. I mean, and he was just on smart list and all, you know, as we talked about, and I, I, <laughs> I took him to task. I fucking love him. I love his mind. I'm so glad he's out there. And these two things are so significant in our culture and you're getting like, um, your tax, you're getting tax information for, you know, I think that's what, yeah, it was like, like whatever, duck 10 night or like, yeah. have, cause they paid me, they need to send me like, I mean, it's insane. Yeah. But yeah. you, the thing you said, which it's the point of all this was, uh, it was like, if you were, if you oh, were right. somebody who experienced normal human emotions, yeah. it'd be a really exciting situation <laughs> for you. Yeah. And then you wrote, Oh, I actually feel really bad for saying that. Yeah. Like that that's, that's the, the closest I get to snarkiness. And I, I all, I immediately regretted. Yeah. That. I feel bad i was like oh god you know i'm not there to explain this she's not yeah, there to see right, my face right and, right right you know and then you sent back this robot emoji that's our robot gif where this robot is doing the robot <laughs> dance <laughs> you know surrounded by other humans it's like a robot being human or something yeah which, I was like, which i'm oh, so man. grateful that we can convey our responses in such a visual uh, manner yeah. but i you know to, to to let you off the hook which i don't feel like you're on but I was like, I took zero offense to that because I understood the truth in it. I understood what you were saying. And this yeah. is to my point is that when I got those things and even when I got those jobs, it was like the most fleeting amount of satisfaction Yeah. because not because, but in part, in part two of like, what do I do with that? Like, why, what, what is that? Like, it was just a payday, which that, that probably out of all of it felt like the best, like, okay, this is going to help provide for my family. And like, so it feels good in that sense, but it was so fleeting. And, and then to be reminded of in, in that time and to say, like, I guess what I was, what kind of brought me to this is, is the, the satisfaction around collaboration. Like, yeah. let's say that you and I were two graphic designers and right. we got a job with Fish or, yeah. or Sam and, and we were like stoked and we could like text each other and get really excited about it and stuff like that. So I'm just recognizing the kind of the, the insular nature of being an artist who yeah. doesn't, who doesn't collaborate mm-hmm. is that I'm, I'm left with this, this feeling and I go, I feel like it doesn't have a spot to go or it's not, or it's being metabolized too quickly and it's just not really there. And so, and I've been, you know, I've been, as you say, often, I think it's a perfect way of taken to task around like be trying to find more excitement or trying to find more sustained 
excitement or pride within these accomplishments that I've achieved yeah. because they're just so fleeting. They just like, they just go right past me. Well, and this is a good version of how the past informs the present moment, because I think that, you know, your comfort around collaboration also is based in, it was, it was earned. I think, mm -hmm. you know, um, everything that I said from the start of our relationship that I would do or not do, I've done, mm -hmm. you know, including, you know, uh, initially meeting with you and we talked for three hours on that mm -hmm. bench. I mostly listened and it was wonderful. And I said, like, this is a non-transactional space. You can see the non-ass grooves from our butts on the <laughs> bench from sitting there for that long. Yeah. Nothing <laughs> our tailbones are dug into the benches. <laughs> <laughs> so true. You know, and yeah, you were, yeah, you were super upfront about the terms of what right. this meeting was. And it yeah. left me no place to go into story and say like, what the fuck is it? I mean, right. it still made me say, what the fuck is this? Cause it, because it was so transparent. And yeah. So yeah. Disclosing. Well, and I think that's why, you know, I have real proof that showing up for something over time and saying that you're going to do something and doing it pays dividends. Yes. And that's my children, mm -hmm. you know, from the time that we divorced, you know, we sat down with the kids and we said, look, mommy and daddy that have been in this marriage, I'm now going to be mommy and daddy who are friends, mm -hmm. you know, and, you know, love isn't gone. It doesn't like stop. It's like becoming something. And that's what I think love does is that it never ends. It just becomes. Mm -hmm. And so, you know, it became our friendship. It became the love in our co-parenting, you know, and it's still to this day. And we've told them that. I'm still going to show up all the different times that I, that dad's been uh, there for you uh, in your life, like, uh, you know, after school or whatever it may be. And we kept things in place. We said we were going to do something and we did it every step of the way. And now the kids, they, everywhere they look in their life, they have someone who loves them. They have a very clear message of who the people are and how they work around them. And it's all just trusting them with the information of, of, of our uh, you know, being parents, mm -hmm. you know, and the nuances of, of, of being a parent and the, and the, the difficulties of it, I'm upfront with them about it. And so I've earned their trust and now they're walking through this world confidently. And it's very much like our relationship. Like, you know, you might've looked for ways where like, ah, oh, still maybe, maybe this isn't going to pan out or maybe he's going to turn out to be a charlatan or, mm -hmm. you know, or whatever. And just time has just led to this moment of you going, okay, well, that's all been informed information that's allowing me to trust this moment. It's the past. I can see, you know, where in this relationship, it's, 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 uh, it's been pure. Mm -hmm. It's been intentional. And I trust jumping over the threshold of, into partnership in this way with the podcast. Yeah. It's, we've talked about this in other forms, um, privately around uh, consistency and showing up really being really a consistent person yeah. and not deviating from consistency and not, right. not surprising somebody with something that would rock the whole foundation of what it is. And that's what you've been to me is mm -hmm. this really, really consistent person from, from the get in that level of, of transparency, I think, especially within friendships. And as you get older and as we, I'm sure, Anybody that can attest, especially in this quarantine time, starting a new friendship, like yeah. what are the fucking odds that you're going to meet somebody that you're actually going to connect with right. on a deep level? And um, and I think that we're searching, we end up searching for relationships because we want relationships. And so we're so desperate that we'll go in and sacrifice our own boundaries. And I just really think that it was quite a magical moment for for you to meet me when you did and to yeah. have it, to have, to set it, to set the to set the terms very, very clearly yeah, and be like, okay, am I willing to accept this friendship? And yeah, 
God, it just, yeah, it feels like years ago now. When, when you hear Darren say that also about, you know, being consistent, also be consistent about your inconsistencies. Mm. I mean, like address them. Like, you know, if you, it sounds like a, a heavy thing to be able to, to pull off is just being consistent all the time in life. But I, I'm also consistent in showing my humanity and where I'm limited. You know, I see my limitations and I'll tell people that. And so, you know, I'm consistent in always sort of showing what, what kind of, what hand I'm, I'm holding, you know, uh, what, what, uh, I don't get the card references. I'm trying, <laughs> I don't play cards, but like, but that type of thing, you know, I I'll tell the kids like, Hey, you know, you know, they'll try and pull my attention like kids do. Um, I'll just be coming out of a session and I'm going to connect with Lacey in the kitchen or something like that. And Tiger will just go, Hey dad, you got to see this thing. And, and I'll say like, look, I, I can't do that at the moment because I'm coming out of this. I'll explain it and just go like, no, I don't have time for that. I'll take the time to explain why yeah. it doesn't take that much longer. And for him, he now knows the process of why dad is saying, I can't sit down with this two minute YouTube clip. Mm -hmm. I also talked to him about like, I'm, I'm trying to get away from technology as much as possible. So don't take offense for me. Like, it's not like, I don't want to know what you're into. Mm -hmm. I just don't all the time want to look at a rectangle because I'm trying to stay away from my own. Mm -hmm. You know, they were making fun of me last night. There's a tiger. Uh, tiger was like having a challenging moment with his sister or whatever. They're just teasing each other. And he was like, Oh, oh you know, and, and we were kind of having a laugh about it. And he goes, well, he's like, what did he say? He said, well, dad, oh yeah, well, you think you're so cool. You cry when your fans write you. And I was going, well, that's a fucking bougie existence. <laughs> he's using. Uh, oh, that's amazing. Yeah. Yes. What, you're not, you ain't shit, dad. <laughs> you cry when your fans write you're you. You're only 210 in society and yeah. culture in Spain. <laughs> <laughs> yeah it was so good oh that's great and then afterwards you know it, it's it's fun you know i really they trust my mind i trust their minds yeah and that's a beautiful thing i'm not limiting them i'm seeing them as the future you know and i want them to feel like they're a part of everything and that they have a say in their lives and you know um well i feel like that that does just speak to the to the to level of disclosure that you provide of of just being and, and this is something that I'm still working on coming out of like coming into a, a recovering codependent person of, of saying that I'm actually trying to limit my, my, my exposure to technology. Yeah. That that's what I'm trying to right. do. It right. has nothing to do with you. And just yeah. the, the really getting over the, for me, I'm speaking personally, getting over the fact of like, I'll just watch the video because yeah. if I say no, you're right. going to be upset and I don't right. want you to be upset or you're going to think that I'm an asshole if I set a boundary. Just these whole stories that just have cascaded into to some really unhealthy relationships in my life instead of just being fucking forthright and, and just giving the facts based on your own emotional experience. Yeah. And letting, allowing that person and you've, you've set a groundwork for that person to to be able to handle that because they've gotten that level of consistency around like, here's my truth. Yeah. 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 And, and Tiger is now a product of that. You know, he, he, he's who he is in the world is who I would wish for him to be. And there's not much left. Um, you know, he's, he's got some areas of course that are just like being 13, you know, um, you know, like general cleanliness and stuff like that around your room and, you know, clean up after yourself and stuff like that. But even that over time, just hearing a consistent message. And, uh, you know, I, I had the experience when I was younger of like not knowing what was going to happen 
when, you know, just not knowing what my dad's was going to be like when he mm. drove up the driveway. Yeah. You know, and because he was coming from the stresses or whatever, like, and, and, you know, a part of me really wants to take it a next step and sort of let him in on my processes. So there's not much that he has left to wonder. Sure. You know, and I do that in every text message that I write and all the things it's, I, I, I like crafting things to where, you know, there, there's, there can't be any doubt or any, uh, what about this or what about that? Like I craft it to where all bases are covered. So somebody can just make, you know, can make a proper response and not and feel like there's any areas left to either exploit, you know, or like for their own benefit or whatever. Like I just, I make it so it's so comprehensive and it's fun to do. It's a yeah, practice right. of language yeah. and, and, uh, and certainly a compassionate act for yourself and for others. You know? Yeah. It's interesting that, that you have to employ, well, not that you have to, that you choose to employ that around what we talked about earlier being a, a, just a, an unnatural form of communication where we're yeah. writing to each other every day. We're writing words and so many of us, our vocabulary is limited and, and to be able to express emotion through our, our already limited language yeah. and then our already personal limited vocabulary. Right. It's just like, then you have to go, okay, well, I'm going to ensure that this is met without any sort of, oh God, I'm doing Trump hands right now. <laughs> Um, yeah, so it's just interesting to, to have to be to, to play to play within whatever the the um, circumstances are that we live in right now. That that is our form, and we've talked about this before. But sending voice memos to each other more yeah. consistently than than text messages oh, yeah. is great. Yeah, yeah, it is great. It's and like having a, like we should just get walkie talkies so we can. <laughs> I know it's true. Yeah. Or like yeah. you talked about the hole in the wall. Yeah, that'd be for other reasons. <laughs> yeah. Did you hear? Um, did you hear about the the QAnon Viking guy? He's he's a. Uh, he has been on a hunger fast. While are we, are we going in the section of the podcast where you say, did you hear about? <laughs> I don't think we've ever had to lean on no, something like no, that. No, but I heard something really funny last night that he, the, the Viking guy has been captured and he's been captured <laughs> with a big net. <laughs> and like he's been in jail now for 10, today's the 10th day. Okay. And he was on a hunger fast for nine days because they didn't have organic food. Oh, <laughs> It's just amazing. That's like that organic thing run riot, you yeah. know? Yeah. Oh my God. Silly. <laughs> you know, the, we've done really well with, in this episode, especially like in the last one, I had all these notes and there's this idea like of, okay, well, I'm thinking about something funny in between podcasts. So I write it down. I put on a note and there's this real relationship you have to have with the notes where they're kind of, there but like not like focusing on them too much because mm-hmm. in the last one i feel like i did and there's this uh there's this thing that always rings out to me that chogum trumpus said to alan ginsburg you know he would alan ginsburg the famous beat poet uh chogum trumpus said why are you always writing down your poetry he's like don't you trust your own mind <laughs> you know and that level of thing you know and so that's what happened i think in the last one which we were feeling a little off about, yeah. you know, I, I felt like I was giving too much credence to the notes uh-huh. and then my handwriting isn't great. Uh-huh. And so I'm, I'm, then I'm going like, Oh, I need to pay attention to this thing down here, but it's me not trusting my own mind and the natural flow of why we even started this thing. Absolutely. It's touching into when I trust, I'm trusting the thing that's carried us here yep. all along, which has been the, the motivation of our friendship, which, yeah. you know, in its natural state, 
people seem to get a lot out of, you know? Yeah. Yeah. And, and, and not to point out what you don't already know, but the, the, the way you ended with the, uh, with the, uh, the point, the, the observational humor around fantastic. And, oh, right. Does this make any sense? Yeah. It sounded, it felt like we were two comedians being like giving each other premises. Yeah. Like, Hey, does this, is this going to work? Can I build this into right. a, to a routine? <laughs> yeah. But is it was very something? just premise, not punchline. It was like, so you might notice yeah. people are saying fantastic. Yeah. yeah. That's all. And all that ended up happening was it fucked up your experience. It's it. I know exactly. Yeah. yeah. Well, and I said that to somebody recently they were like, you know, um, somebody I worked with last year, at a center at the center that we uh at the center in santa barbara that we we founded and and uh, and then i've been working with them since and you know they're really starting to wake up and they're really paying attention to rondos now and like have read all these books and it's kind of having this experience and really putting the rubber to the road with their own practice and the person wrote, it's like, I actually am starting to think about people and not myself. You've totally <laughs> fucked me up, you know? And I was like, don't worry. You'll have an opportunity to fuck somebody else up. Yeah, that's you know? right. Um, It'll be a ripple effect for exactly. sure. Yeah, that's yeah. great. Yeah. All right. Well, I'm good. Yeah, I'm, I'm heavily, heavily soaked he in my armpit here. Yeah. yeah. Um, well, great. Thank you so much for joining us again. It's wow. I feel like we just, I was just like lost in a show to come back to like hosting role and be like, thank you. I'm like, oh yeah, people are listening to this yeah. right now. Yeah. Yeah. I feel pretty high right now. Yeah, me too. Yeah. Actually, this is, and the marker of something interesting is like, normally at this point I feel kind of spent or I feel mm -hmm. like the caffeine is kind of running the show. And I don't feel grounded. And I feel like because I trusted today, because I just was really present with you and whatever came up mm -hmm. and I only looked down at the notes twice, mm -hmm. you know, and that didn't even have an import necessarily into the moment that, you know, I'm feeling almost better than when I began and more grounded. So. Well, I hope that everyone who's listening feels the same exact way. Well, let's get out of here before it changes. Uh, as always, you can find us on Myst at Mystical Cynical on Instagram. Um, something I posted last night, we just uh, crossed over 5,000 downloads, which is extraordinary. And we're so grateful for everybody who has been sharing and talking about us. And just really honestly, like some of the nicest messages where where I can speak personally, where and we've talked about this of... of liking and loving something so much and then being the one who's like, well, I never, I never feel compelled to reach out, but that, yeah. that we're bringing a level of meaning that people who don't say nice things to other people are saying yeah. really nice things to us. Yeah. It feels, feels really exceptional. Oh, and some of the comments too, in like a post, you know, there's that one of us sitting on a bench and, and somebody wrote, is that the bench? <laughs> You know, and I'm like, great. no, that's another we'll reference take, from the we'll show. That's, take a photo with the other that's the dog park yeah. bench. Right. And like, it's another yeah. thing from the show, but like that these little things are finding their way into yes. people's like, or somebody said the other day, like they were joking around, they're going, if that makes any sense. Yep. And, you know, yes. and, and, and all that, like, it's fun to just have this relationship going with you. Yeah. Creating you like a little universe. Yeah. Yeah. With yeah. its own little um, idioms and just little things. Yeah. It's yeah. beautiful. Yeah. yeah. That's right. Well, you know where you can find... Darren at Real Fun Wow at Real. Fun I think wow. I have some fun collaborations coming out that are like I'm making socks. Really, I'm collaborating with a sock company. We'll do. I think we're doing like eight different pairs of socks. Nice. Yeah. Sounds exciting. That's great. <laughs> <laughs> you can find me at Love Is the Author on Instagram, and uh, really appreciate all the feedback and all the messages. And uh, I'm Lacey and I are devising uh, at the moment. We're working on creating a mentorship program of creating teachers around this stuff oh that's and, amazing yeah so we'll be talking about that more in i'll the future. be uh, waiting for my email as an invitation to becoming a mentor <laughs> <laughs> that's right.
Yeah. <laughs> awesome. Okay. Well, uh, until next time. Yeah. Love you. Love you. Bye.